Hello everyone and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we try to answer once and for all, what is the best comic book adaptation? Yes, be it movie or TV show, we'll watch it and rank it until one stands as the definitive numero uno. And who's we? Well, I'm your host Andrew, and as per usual, except sort of not be as per usual, I'm joined by my co-host Mick. Hello! And now officially Rob. Hello! Oh, he's not as much fun as unofficially, Rob. That was, that was a prequel series. <laughs> I'll have you know, I, I, I'm, I'm just as much fun as unofficial Rob. In fact, even more so. But but how do you compare to copyright-friendly Rob? Uh, copyright-friendly Rob, is uh, he's kind of dull, you know. <laughs> he's always dabbling in all that legal largy-bargy. Right, enough of this. Let us take these shenanigans, freeze frame on a single shot shot of an explosion, and then awkwardly transition away to today's topic. And behold, the Hulk. Oh, you've put in an extra the there. <laughs> You're right, man. I, just, I, I can't, I cannot fathom the fact that the film is just called Hulk. Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> And this is this is a Hulk who is uh, neither immortal nor incredible, just Hulk. Yep. Uh, yep, this is the 2003 movie we'll be talking about, directed by Ang Lee, written by James Seamus, Michael France, and John Turman, and produced by Avi Arid, Larry Franco, Gail Ann Hurd, and James Seamus. So, chaps, before we get into the film itself... Um, how are we feeling about the Hulk? Do we do we have a lot of background on him? Fans, um, not fans. Well, I mean, I, I think like a lot of people, I've got a great fondness for the seventies uh, Universal series uh, with Lou Ferrigno. Yeah, I have a great fondness for the uh, Marvel Fox Kids cartoon version of the Hulk, which was really good, as far as I was concerned. Yeah, and I used- I, I've got in my notes that is like. My intro to the Hulk is that cartoon series. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think uh, I think I, I remember Hulk being around in. Co- I wasn't a massive Hulk fan uh, in the comics when I was a kid. Yeah, but but I did read a lot of um, sort of Avengers and Thor stuff. Yeah, so he cropped up a lot in there. There was a lot of crossover with Hulk. So see, I for me, the Hulk was always this bizarre character who really um, was interesting from one angle, but then you also had the 90s version of Hulk, or um, uh, Dude Hulk, we can call him, because he was Dude Hulk. Um, Yeah, this was the Hulk when, like, so traditionally, if people aren't aware, but they probably are, the Hulk, Bruce Banner, he gets hit by a gamma bomb, and then when he gets angry, he turns into this big, well, hulking monster who's very angry and kind of speaks in a lot of almost sort of baby talk like a little yeah BGRM uh, big green rage monster exactly (laughs) but in the 90s there was I don't know what the specific storyline was but something happened where like he became the Hulk physically but still had Bruce Banner's mind what they call Banner Hulk now but you know during the 90s was definitely Dude Hulk because he had a ponytail he had a ponytail. Hulk had a ponytail. 
No wonder he was angry. <laughs> I mean, look, usually I'd be shocked by that, but I have recently read a load of like eighties Iron Man comics. Yeah, where he's got like the curly hair and the mullet and the thin pencil mustache. Oh God, yes. Oh, so, oh, so hair yeah. things just don't phase me anymore. <laughs> I forgot about Iron, Man, Iron Man's mullet. <laughs> oh. But, of course, what you're referring to there is the Hulk, whereas this is a less specific, generic but This Hulk. is more just a general sense of Hulk. Yeah. This is, this is more of a sort of uh, random Hulk that was picked out of obscurity for a big budget movie. Yeah, but then they applied some crazy editing. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I Oh, my. It gave me a headache. Because prior to this, Ang Lee was probably best known for uh, Crouching Tiger. Yeah. Uh, and I think... And I knew him from like his Hong Kong cinema stuff, but... I've only seen the crossover film he did. You know, where Crouching Tiger meets Hidden Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I, what... What the editing in this in this film smacks of is that someone's told Ang Lee what a comic book looks like, but not actually shown him one. Yes, it's not to get too far into the discussion part of the show, but this is very <laughs> much a film by a man who has been told what a comic is. Yeah, basically, but who has seen someone perform a shadow puppet play of a comic reflected onto the wall of the cave in which he is sitting. Yeah, basically. Um, that's... Uh, uh, I'm from the very first... Yeah, however, but, uh, but uh, don't get ahead of yourself, Rob. Let, yeah. let's, have a bit of a, let's have a bit of a synopsis, shall we? Okay, yes. okay. But also, before that, it is my solemn duty to inform everyone, go read Immortal Hulk, it's a really good comic. I yeah. actually have uh, some thoughts on uh, the link between Immortal Hulk and this movie. But that's for later. Yeah. Is it the word Hulk? No, actually, it's more than the word Hulk. <laughs> more than the word Hulk. There was, there was something in this movie that made that made me think immediately of Immortal Hulk. Well, uh, again, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but I think what you're picking up on it is maybe a reference to another very specific comic book that I'm probably going to bring up. Anyway, first of all, synopsis. Let's get a bit of a bit of a backstory on what this film is actually about. Yeah. Of course, this will contain a lot of spoilers <clears throat> for the film. But it has been out for 17 years, so, you know. Yeah. You've, you've, had, <laughs> you've had your chance to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the film starts in the 1960s. Scientist David Banner is trying to develop a regenerative treatment to, I I believe it's got some sort of thing with the military to help, like, create self-healing soldiers. Yeah. Yeah, so he's doing that. But, um, but you have to kind of piece that information together yourself, really. Yes, yes. It's kind of something you've got to think about during one of the many long scenes of just a man pouring some liquid into some beakers. Yeah. But um, the testing isn't going super well, mainly because David can't get um, the funding to do human trials. So eventually he decides to just test it on himself, which um, seemingly doesn't do anything. The phone just kind of seems to skip past about that. 
Yeah, but it does do yeah. something. We know it does something. Yes, the main thing it does initially is David eventually has a son called Bruce, uh, and he discovers that Bruce may have inherited, like the the gene for the self healing science magic, and and he may he may have inherited the as yet unseen un unknown effects that his father may or may not have. Yeah. Basically. Which at the moment consists mostly of just a bit of a green rash. And the occasional brooding stare. Um, yes. And I'm not actually sure whether the uh, the 60s Tash is, is actually genuine or a side effect of the experiment. Uh, hmm. That is, that is a question for a good question for another time to quote Star Wars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, General Ross, who is in charge of the medical trials, uh, he prevents David from working on a cure, leading to um, what at the time in the film is just a traumatic event. But what we'll later learn is David deciding if he can't cure Bruce, he'll just kill him, and then accidentally killing his wife slash Bruce's mother, Edith, instead. We then jump to the present day of the present Dave. The present Dave. Yes. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, the present Dave does show up in the present day. <laughs> yes, he does. That's true. Who <laughs> also shows up is our protagonist Bruce, played by Eric Banner, who is now a scientist working on gamma radiated nanomedicine. Like yes. a project that's very similar to what his father was trying to do, despite having no knowledge of his parents. So he works with his ex-girlfriend, Betty Ross, played by Jennifer Connelly, who is also the girl, the uh, the daughter of General Ross from, from earlier. He's now played by Sam Elliott. And uh, this being a Hulk film, experiment goes not super great. Bruce ends up getting exposed to a bunch of gamma rays and also... The nanomedicine, because it's the 2000s, there's got to be a nano something. Yep. That's right. Um, and these days it's it, quantum. <laughs> God, quantum is the new nano, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> anyway, if, it, it, if this film would have been made two years later, it would have been iBots. <laughs> anyway, the uh, stuff <laughs> combines with the stuff from Bruce's father's <laughs> research, which. Um, Makes him become the Hulk when he's angry. Yeah, except God, it's so convoluted. I, 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 well, aside from the talking, so much talking in this film. Everyone talking, 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 talking. Yeah, for an action movie, there's surprisingly <laughs> little action. <laughs> but I, what I want to know is, what was he angry about? What What was his major malfunction the very first time he turned into Hulk? Because I couldn't see anything wrong. I mean, it just looked like he wanted to go to the toilet a little bit. That was it. I, I think maybe he stood on a Lego brick in bare feet. <laughs> I mean, he's in the lab, d- happily doing his work, just cracking on with things, and all of a sudden he decides to turn into the Hulk. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I think it's... Because he has, like, a flashback to some stuff with his dad. 
Obviously, I mean, he has a lot of those. He has so many flashbacks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and most of them are just like variations on the same footage. Um, uh, and, and to be fair, it would have probably just been quicker to just make a prequel. Yes. <laughs> yes, it would. And it would have cost much less money. I mean, just a prequel drama dealing with the banners and their, you know, uh, the problems that they had as a family would have been more interesting than the first 40 minutes of this film. Yeah, I mean, I do have some thoughts on ways you could have, like, restructured things. But also, yes, what we've been talking about, this is literally 40 It takes 40 minutes for the Hulk to show up into the Hulk film. Yes. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, we, uh, we finally got our Hulk. As we say, he smashes up the lab. And then... Uh, well, while saving a collie. Yep. The, so so this is a bit... Uh, we're gonna, he saves his mysterious colleague, played by Nick Nolte, who is also his dad. But, like, that's a mystery for about five minutes and then revealed. To an audience who already know. Yeah. Also... <laughs> But also, like, he's shot from behind. Even, that's like, you don't see his face. Even though, like, Nick Nolte isn't who was the dad in the flashbacks. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, because that was a different fellow. But whatever. The important point is, he also has dogs that he makes into Hulk dogs that he then goes to sick on Betty Banner so that Hulk has to fight the dogs. Yeah, and I. This is, this is all part of Nick Nolte. You know, I was going to call him, I'm just going to call him Nick Nolte. All part of Nick Nolte's plan to somehow get some of Hulk. Well, I guess to get some of Hulk's DNA to make the dogs, but he needs more of it so that he can use his powers, which involve absorbing things. To absorb all the Hulk's gamma-y nanoness. Yeah, I'm. And do stuff. There were certain words I never thought I'd hear General Ross say, and mutant French poodle was one of them. That's one of the phrases I never thought I'd hear from General Ross's mouth. Yeah, mutant French poodle. Anyway, Hulk is captured by General Ross. Uh. But who then quickly loses custody of him to Glenn Tabalt, played by Josh Lucas, hey, who Glenn. works for like a rival tech company. Anyway, he wants to experiment on Bruce. Um, so basically, so he can sell the secrets of the experiment to his own tech company. Called Atheon. Yep, but... Uh, Bruce escapes, has a bit of a rampage, gets stopped uh, by the old classic Betty doing the Elk, have you tried not being mad all the time? Look at me, I've got quite sad eyes and a pouty mouth. As she's wont to do. (laughs) So, uh, Bruce gets captured. He's going to be executed by big, overly elaborate electric chair. But Nick Nolte shows up, absorbs all the electricity, absorbs all the gamma, and gets ready to do whatever the hell it is he's supposed to be doing until 
Hulk stops him by also doing some things. Help, I have no idea how this film ended. There was a cloud, and Nick Nolte's face was projected on it. And yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> and, and then it exploded, and everything's fine now. I mean, it makes no sense even when you read an explanation. Here's one version. A brutal fight ensues between David and the Hulk, which are firstly transferred into the sky and later into Pear Lake. David begins to absorb Hulk's energy, but when Hulk forces David to absorb his full power, it is too much and overwhelms him. As he transforms into a gigantic sphere of water, he is killed by a missile fired from one of two nearby F-22A Raptors, and then the LSD wore off. Was there a missile? Yep. It was, it was, <laughs> when, it was when they were saying, take it all, take it. You know, like that Doctor Who episode you know, was at the moons of uh, the moons of whatever it is with that parasite sun. He's like, "Take it all, take it, you have it all," and uh, all of a sudden, turn it like a giant bubble, and they fired a missile into it, and then everything exploded. I noticed there was a remarkable lack of blood in this uh, film. Everything just kind of exploded in a pile in a pile of like green smoke. I mean, because because it's a twelve roll. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I cannot underline the point firmly enough that I watched this film. I opened up my laptop, opened up Microsoft Word, started typing out this synopsis, got to the end point, and just it had just gone. <laughs> I I I. I rewatched this while I was at work, and it was uh, half past two in the morning, and it was completely dead. And watching this at work at half two in the morning on a, on a very 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 slow day is I do not I do not advise it. At least have other things around that can distract you from this film. I'm pretty sure Nick Nolte wanted to like become a god or something. He certainly mentioned God. Because another thing about this movie is it's a lot of Nick Nolte just going, Oh, Father Bruce, and I'm going to kill the God, and I'm going to become God of Humanity. I mean, didn't he have like a conversation with uh, Sam Wilson, Glenn Ross, at one point? Because I had difficulty understanding what they were saying. They both sounded like they had stuff that they hadn't finished eating in the mouth. I, I don't think you had difficulty understanding. I think you had difficulty caring. Yeah, that might have been it. I mean, uh, yeah, in... I was also going to ask who is A. Sam Wilson and B. Glenn Ross? Oh, Glenn well, Ross, I... uh, General General Ross, sorry. <laughs> Doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> it's spreading. <laughs> it makes as much sense as anything else. <laughs> yeah. I, in Nick Nolte's case, I know, what he, I know what he hadn't finished chewing. That was the scenery. I mean, he literally starts eating. The scenery at one point. That's literally just because that's how he absorbs all the electricity. He just he just chops on the cable. Exactly. I mean, it came out of nowhere. I'm sitting there going. I remember the first time that I watched this film. I was going, "What is going on?" And even now, I'm I think it's also the way he like maintains eye contact with the camera while he's doing it. Oh God, it's Rob with his banana all over again, isn't it? 
<laughs> that's, that's a reference that everyone listening will understand. Absolutely. <laughs> if you don't, just listen to any one of the numerous podcasts uh, that are on the Geek Show Podcast Network. <sighs> anyway, I feel like we're mostly already in the discussion part. Yeah. So, yeah. So here's the big question for you guys. Um, more recently, obviously, this film when it came out was pretty hated by audiences. But more recently, it's become a bit of a cult following due to its emphasis on, like, psychological drama rather than just big old superheroics. Would you agree? And is the answer no, because it's just still an absolute mess of a film? Um, I kind of understand what they're saying, but a lot of the psychological stuff that they're talking about feels very, very tacked on. It just feels, yeah. like, especially the stuff with his dad, just feels like it was crowbarred in just to try and give uh, Bruce Banner more tragedy in his life when he didn't have enough already. I, I, I think it's fair to say, and, and I've made this point numerous times over on um, other podcasts about movies, but you can have a great comic book movie that is not a great movie. Yeah. However, what this fails, uh, what this manages to achieve is that rare thing of a double whammy of not being a great comic book movie either. Well, I mean, if they'd have spent just a little bit more money on story and less on clever transitions, which I I kind of understand we're trying to emulate one, a little bit of the sort of split screen stuff that occasionally went on in the TV show. And I hasten to add, occasionally. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that is something we need to point out, is just how many goddamn times there's like a split screen or a screen within a screen. <laughs> or like a side. It's literally like when you're in school and you're first learning to use PowerPoint. And you go, wow, look at all these transition effects. Star wipes. <gasps> you can make an image like roll onto the screen. <laughs> all of them on. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. I, there's, a, there's even, you know the bit where uh, where Jennifer Connelly meet, first meets Nick Nolte as the janitor and he says he's the new guy, yeah? Yeah. There's a bloody mop transition. I don't know if you noticed it, but... It just... Yeah, 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 yeah. And any Anything that could be deemed as a split between one screen and another, there's, there's a busy Lizzie plant gets done. Yes. At one point. So, so what are your favourite awkward transitions? Because I know I've got two. Oh. Um, uh, I, mean, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call them favourites. Yeah, I wouldn't call them favourites. I mean, uh, the, 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 favourite as in, oh, this was well done. The, the, my favourite as one in, that, this the is one the that, most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. The one that sticks in my, in my mind is the one quite near the beginning where they're doing a bit of... Um, Bruce's mum is doing a bit of gardening and they do this really awkward transition around the sort of either aloe vera or busy lizzy plant. Oh, that really spiky thing where it just... The spiky seems... thing. Yeah. That, that, that remains in the shot whilst yeah. the rest of the screen transitions around it. Yes, yes, yes. Um, 
there was one for me where it basically had the Hulk was jumping and jumping and jumping, and really he looked like a carrier, a character from some kind of generic platform game when he was jumping because it's like he had, his body had no mass, you know. It's just like a heavy balloon. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's different. That's just the Hulk being just such bad CGI. Yeah, but I mean, um, then the camera like kind of... Pu- yeah, he is. But the camera kind of pulls up, so you have this uh, top-down view of the landscape, and then the landscape goes to a screen and then, go, sorry, then goes onto a map, which then goes flat. And I thought, okay, I could understand back in the early noughties that might have been cool, but there's better ways of doing things. Anyway, my favourites are, first of all, Glenn Talbot's death. Oh, well, God, how could I forget that? Oh, Like, he fires a bazooka yes. the wrong way around, blows himself out. <laughs> no, then, he, like, he, he just frames frames on the explosion as he's, like, flying forward. He, and he, then zooms out to just a bunch of screens. Yeah. And he, then yeah. into the next scene. Yeah, he doesn't fire it the wrong way around. He fires it the right way and it bounces. <laughs> yeah, it bounces off. Oh, it bounces off the Yeah. Uh, like, in my defence. <laughs> no, don't like worry. much of the movie, there's so much going on at the same time. <laughs> exactly. But what I, lo- what I loved about that particular transition was the white outline that, that they gave him during that transition. <laughs> <laughs> like he's been like cut and pasted onto the X-Men. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> And and I think that's the problem, you know. I can understand what they were trying to achieve. You can see what they were trying to achieve. You you can see that they were trying to achieve the look and feel of a comic book. But there's a reason why comic books exist as comic books and films of comic books exist as films. Yes. Um, I mean, a few years, what, two years later, you got Sin City came out. Yeah. That felt like a, a film adaptation of a comic book because it did carry some tropes forward from comic books, but not in a really obvious way that made it actually feel like they were doing the film in panels. Yeah. But uh, does that explain the one thing where David is talking to, I think, General Ross about his wife being pregnant, and then suddenly a little oval comes up on the screen, and we see his wife's screaming face as yeah. it zooms in, like... <laughs> Like we're getting a uterus eye view, but from like the wrong way round. Um, yeah, it doesn't explain that. That's a hell of a way to start a film, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, before I got slightly distracted by scene transitions, there uh, was something I wanted to mention with regards to a lot of the psychological stuff. So uh, I know, make you talk about it. No necessarily being a good comic book movie. I did just want to point out that a lot of this is I mean, conceptually, if not an execution, is taken from a very specific uh, issue of The Incredible Hulk. It's uh, issue 312 by Bill Mantlow with art by Mike Mignola. And that was the one that kind of introduced this idea that in a sense Bruce has always been the Hulk. Like, a lot of what the Hulk is is kind of this manifestation of all this repressed rage Bruce has about his father being quite abusive while he was growing up. And so that, like, kind of manifesting itself when the gamma bomb went off, which I, like, I think is a really 
interesting idea that would have worked well in this film. Yeah. But they just overcomplicate it with the, so much nano machines and and the constant jumping and backwards and forwards yeah. and yeah, and I think I think that's the problem. I, the big problem with this structurally is you get lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of talking. Yeah, and especially so like much talk at the start of the film. Yeah. yeah, and then when the action does come. It all comes in one big hit, in like one big frame. It's <laughs> I'm all like, or specifically in like two big frames on either yeah. side of the screen. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. I, the, Possibly moving. There was some really good scenes during the action scenes. I'm him throwing a tank, for example. That was good. Chewing the top off a, a missile and spitting out under the helicopter. That was good. Yeah, I, I did. I really like that bit. Yeah, you know, that. Well, then that a lot of the stuff in the in the canyon, yeah, felt. Uh, and and it, again, another sort of contemporaneous film was the remake of Clash of the Titans. Felt like a video game. Yes, more than it did a film. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it was an end of level boss baddie <laughs> that he was up against. Actually, can someone please re-edit that like footage of Hulk jumping through the desert? But it's got the Super Mario jumping sound. <laughs> someone already did that. It was the nostalgia critic. Oh, good. <laughs> with, with a nice eight-bit soundtrack in the background. Yeah, basically, the uh, you know every time Hulk jumps is like doink doink. Now I'm just imagining Hulk jumping around going Hulk 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 Hulk. Hulk, 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 Hulk. <laughs> Okay, no one's done that as far as I'm aware. <laughs> Speaking of, can we talk about what I've dubbed the Incredulous Hulk? Because <laughs> he's got a weirdly pretty and vacant face, doesn't he? Um, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he... I, I think what they've tried to do is, if you watch some of the more modern Marvel films, They've done a cool thing with the CGI where the Hulk kind of he looks like he has Mark Ruffalo's face, but enlarged and beefed up. Yeah. And I think yeah. they've tried to do it like a similar thing with Eric Banner's face in this. But boy, they just did not have the technology for that. No. I I noticed that that but also Eric Banner's got a kind of bland face. He has a very bland face. I mean he's not the <laughs> he's not the only He's not the only actor in this movie who has a bland face, um, but you know we'll talk I mean, more I'm, about I'm, that. In I'm a bit. sure. I'm sure. I'm sure he only. I'm sure he only got the part because his name, his surname, sounded a bit like his character name. Yeah, um, I noticed that. Speaking of, can I? Can I just get it all out? Yeah. Well, thank God it's audio only. <laughs> so. I think the, the universal problem with this film is that they shouldn't have made it Ang Lee because you won't like Hulk when he's Ang Lee. Oh, oh God. God. I'm done. I've done it. it and we can all move on. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Moving on from that. I noticed that uh, the CG version of the Hulk, I, I was watching it on Tuesday. I was like, that's my brother's haircut. 
<laughs> well, not knowing your brother, it's difficult for me to judge. No, but my point is that even when he's CG Hulk, it's, you know, I was picking out bits that reminded me of other people rather than watching the film. Uh, well, I mean, it is it is a chore watching this movie. Oh, God. <laughs> also, Mick, I, I didn't need to follow up on something with you. Oh, yeah. So, whilst you were watching this movie last night, you sent me a message saying, gosh, it's a shame that the lighting's so dark in all these scenes with the Hulk. And did, did you come to realise that that maybe wasn't a bad thing? I did. Not <laughs> not, not very long afterwards, in fact. Yeah, as, as soon as you get that first shot of the Hulk in daylight, you realise, oh, yeah. That's why all these scenes were at night before. Yeah. Do you know and, and actually, to be fair, the, the Hulk effect in those nighttime scenes in the lab yeah. is actually quite effective. Bearing in mind that the, compared to today, rudimentary uh, techniques that the, they were utilising. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, once it gets into daylight, it just looks like a no-mass... It's like a guy with a rubber, guy in a rubber suit where they forgot to put the guy in. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was one cool bit. I thought this was actually very cool, uh, a rarity for this film. You know, at the end where he's fighting his dad and his dad is taking him up into the clouds and you have all those kind of silhouette shots of Hulk through the clouds during the lightning, you know? Yeah. I thought that was yeah. a cool effect. I liked that. Um, I mean, I, I, I kind of felt like it came across a bit as, oh no, we've run out of budget quickly, just throw still images in. It is a bit that, but it's the way they use the still images, which, you know, which I found quite cool, rather than, more so than the fact they use still images. I think some of the techniques that they use, even though they overuse the transition piece, I think some of the effects and techniques were quite cool. Yeah, um, and and went on to be used in much better effect in the um, 2004 TV show Regenesis. Yeah, um, which used them um, a lot more sparingly, uh, but used they, they tended to utilize those kinds of transitions as an uh, as an alternative to using a montage sequence. Yeah, um, it was yeah, a more efficient yeah, way to do it. As much as I've been down on them. I think I would be interested to see, like, what does that look like done well? <laughs> yeah. So, there is that. Another big question. Uh, why does Jennifer Connelly in a 2003 Hulk movie look exactly the same age as she does in a 2019 Alita movie? Um, because uh, it's her and Paul Rudd, they've got their own secret club. Uh, I don't know. I think maybe she's I... been dipped in so much wax that she's basically frozen in time now. Because as, 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 as she borrowed some Paul Rudd nanobots. I don't know. Maybe yeah, the nanomeds are a real thing, but yes, that's it. Angley, notoriously <laughs> film director, brought actual gamma radiated nanobots to like <laughs> get a more realistic performance. And Jennifer Connelly just nicked a bunch of him. Yeah, but I, I mean, if he brought them for a more realistic performance, please at least use them. Because all I saw from Jennifer Connelly was, I'm going to stare vacantly at the camera and pretend the, that this is emotional acting. I mean, the, the the one thing that got me 
And it wasn't her fault. It just wasn't there in the script. It's, it's the bit where she meets Nick Nolte for the first time. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you're not our usual cleaner. Where's Penny? Penny died. Huh. Not, oh, what of? When? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. I, the first time she sees the Hulk, she stares vacantly at the Hulk, and I, I'm going, any normal person would go, what the hell is that? And yeah, then run. In, you know, yeah, in, in her, de- her defence, if it's not in the script, she's not going to do it, is she? Yeah. Also, to prevent this is a normal person being told, okay, okay, you see this kind of spot on the green screen. That's going to be the Hulk. <laughs> Yeah, that is that actually. Yeah. Then there's a man just like holding up a copy of an Incredible Hulk issue. <laughs> or maybe he's got he's got like a Hulk action figure. Or maybe he's just wearing it's just Eric Banner wearing Hulk hands. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or maybe she maybe they've got a picture of nineties Hulk with his ponytail and she's just looking at it confused, trying to figure out why he's got a ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> But, but but back to that interaction with Nick Nolte, because oh, that God, is yeah. just, you know. So, so I'm the new guy that you don't know. I've just informed you that someone who you knew well enough to be on first name terms with has died. I'll just get on with my mopping. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, listen, here's the thing about Betty Ross. She, she likes to appear like she's, you know, not the people a, person. She'll learn everyone's first name. But she doesn't care. You're all just disposable drones to her. Yeah. Because she is definitely uh, Thaddeus Ross's daughter. I love the fact that Je- uh, Thunderbolt Ross's first name is Thaddeus. I mean, as far as you know. Is it not? Well, I was going to say, in the comics, Bruce Banner's dad's name is Brian, not David. So who knows what General Ross's first name is? Well, this is true. <laughs> maybe all these characters <laughs> took on a pseudonym. Maybe all these characters in this film took on um, false first names just so that they could claim plausible deniability. <laughs> <laughs> are, they, hang on, are they in the Marvel pro- Marvel Witness Protection the, Program? <laughs> yeah. This, this, this is why it's not part of the MCU, because it's just a Hulk. <laughs> two things one is it not part of the MCU no no well, it's well, not yeah but if you think about it no it's not the incredible hulk is part of the MCU it is vaguely and the incredible hulk is sort of almost a half sequel to this it is, but it isn't. There's there's bits where the Incredible Hulk's where the Incredible Hulk has uh, that contradicts stuff from this film. This film, the basically said, nope, we don't want anything to do with it because even though this film ends in the Colombian jungle or something like that, it and does, yeah. uh, and the Incredible Hulk kind of starts in that sort of area, um, we know that uh, is Glenn Talbot is it. We know he yeah. got killed in uh, the first movie, but in The Incredible Hulk, he's very much alive. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. I, I do not remember him being in that movie. I say that I've watched The Incredible Hulk once, like 
five years ago thought, yeah, it's fine. Never going to watch this again, am I? Yeah. Not like I'm going to launch some kind of movie-based podcast where I'm going to have to enforce myself to go through all these god-awful piles of nonsense again. Yeah, you didn't think that point, did you? The second <laughs> point was, remember how there's a whole subplot about Bruce Banner, like, not knowing he's Bruce Banner and going by Bruce Krenzler? Yeah. Yeah. For why? Because it, it, it's it's. I know. I think that's actually one of the one of the subtle nods to the original TV show because he he always kept the right the same first name, didn't he? Yeah. And then when he was doing his littlest hobo bit and helping out the locals, he would assume some pseudonym uh, surname. Also, if he didn't know who his parents were, how would he be Banner? Well, okay, it's just, it's another thing, and I don't know, because we, the audience, know he's Bruce Banner. I, I, I feel like it never, like, has a satisfying pay. Like, he could have just been Bruce Banner, and just, like, not known what happened to his parents. Yeah. It's because it comes at a point, again, early on in the film, where it's all genetic mutation, and Starfish DNA and gamma rays and nanomachine medicines. And Bruce, you're too emotionally distant and all this backstory information and it's just, it's another thing. It's another thing that I need to keep track of. Yep. Uh, I mean, one Speaking of bad acting, Eric Banner, I don't think he's very good. No, and I suspect that that's also why he's not there for the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, I mean, it's... I I mean, I think it's basically, it's just that classic thing where he's been told, like, you're a very, like, emotionally repressed person, so be subtle, but it just comes across as being very flat. Do you know know one of my biggest problems with this film um, was exactly what you just said there, Andrew? Uh, the flat acting, but it seemed not just Eric Banner. I mean, I mentioned Jennifer Connelly, but um, Sam Wilson as well was very flat. I think the the, the guy who Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott, sorry, uh, getting really confused with all these names. Um, and I really don't care to correct myself anyway. Uh, but Sam Elliott was very flat. I mean, he was very monotone all the way through. There was only two characters in this. I thought Sam Elliott was good. I think he's like he's playing more this very like pragmatic, yeah, military guy. Yeah, yeah but I mean, uh, for me, it was very monotone because if you look at Glenn Talbot and Nick Nolte, they were the only two actors who seemed to realize that they were in a comic book movie. Actually, do you know who the two best performances in this movie came from? The dogs, Stanley and Lou Ferrigno. Yes, yes, yes. I would have thought of a film about them. Drops Mike, walks away. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine and, Stan and Actually, it's quite fitting that the best performance in a film called Hulk comes from the best ever screen Hulk. Yeah. But now, but genuinely, like, that point where they show up on the film and they look like such a mismatched duo, like, yeah. I, I would really like just a series of, like, Fun family adventure films about them, like solving mysteries or something. Oh, just Stanley and Lou Ferrigno on the road would be amazing. 
Oh, it would have been. Oh, oh, one of those, uh, one of those uh, offbeat sitcoms where you just focus on those two characters reacting to all the MCU stuff happening around them. Yes. <laughs> oh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> and how it impacts their lives, but with, without seeing all the big budget special effects stuff going on. Almost a bit like that scene where Stanley cameos in a Spider-Man movie and there's all the fight scene going on in the background in the library. Yeah. And he's just there reading a book. But yeah, just... I mean, I feel like the main thing we've got from this discussion is that for a Hulk film, it doesn't seem to actually, like, focus on the Hulk that much. Like, especially in the sense of, like, who he is and what he's going through. Yeah. I mean... I mentioned that there was a couple of things that bothered me about this film. A Hulk, you know, when you talk about the the cartoon version of the Hulk, or the Incredible Hulk, or the new version of the Hulk, or even the Hulk TV series, uh, you know, there's a sense of enjoyment you get from them. But this yeah. film was just so, so, so serious. And, and this is it. I think. The Hulk is a character that works as a serious film. Yeah, but there needs but to be just there's a difference between serious and boring. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there there needs to be some moments of lightness just to kind of raise the tone of it. But this film just it was so dull and depressing, which is why you shouldn't watch it at two thirty in the morning when you when it's all quiet at work and every and there's nobody ringing and nobody outside, and it feels like you're the last person left alive in the world. No, trust me, uh, don't watch it at 10 o'clock on a Friday. <laughs> or indeed, <What>? any time <laughs> on any day that ends in a Y. That the point is just don't watch the whole <laughs> Yes. <laughs> don't, don't watch it in a month that contains a vowel. <laughs> Well, they said that just like watch one clip of Bay Ross so that you can go, gosh, she has aged well, hasn't she? <laughs> Again, I, I want to know what happened to her acting from because if you watch I her mean, in again, Labyrinth. Well, which... I, I, no, again, I, I'm going to take you off with it. I think you are blaming Jennifer Connolly for a lot of the script's failings. Okay, yeah. yes. I, 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 a character who is, whose job is. Stands and looks I, sad. And, 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 and again, to that, to that scene with Nick Nolte. This is the script where she has split up with Bruce Krenzler because he's emotionally distant and then gets told that a woman she knows has died. Yes, I mean, uh, they could have, <laughs> they, given, given those facts, they could have literally replaced Jennifer Connelly with a mannequin and a voiceover and it would have had the same effect. Yeah. But... It's the okay. script's fault rather than hers. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's the script's fault rather than hers. Because I've seen her acting, I've seen her in, uh, being much better in other films. Also, to be fair, given how like emotional and attentive Bruce Banner seems to be as a boyfriend, Betty Ross just being a psychopath really makes a lot more sense, doesn't it? Uh, do you know, you might have actually hit on the hidden truth inside the whole goal this time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
I'll tell you one thing that I did find interesting uh, in the lead up to this episode of Behold um, was looking at some of the alternative casting um, options that there were for uh, Banner and the Hulk. Um, Go on then, I'm ready. <laughs> Johnny Depp. Ooh, that wouldn't work. <laughs> and then at the other end of the um, looks uh, spectrum, Steve Buscemi. What? For <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, anything else, that's, you that's... imagine the Steve Buscemi version. Oh, no. oh I don't want it. Just a giant googly eyes. <laughs> I don't want to. I, I want. I've seen the CG version of Steve Buscemi in Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within, and that was not pretty. And uh, oh, CG I'm... Buscemi was not good. It was not good. And 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 here's the big clue that someone should have picked up on. Edward Norton, who is famous for playing what part in what film? The Nazi in American History X. No, the oh. Hulk in The Incredible <laughs> Hulk, the very next Hulk movie. Express- in his defence, though, I don't think he was quite famous for that. <laughs> exactly. exactly. No, but, but, but here we go. Crucially, Edward Norton expressed interest in the role but turned down the part as he was disappointed with the script. Why did the rest of you not listen to it? (laughs) I mean, to be fair, from what I understand, Edward Norton is just constantly disappointed with everything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You see, Ed, if you just used your powers for good, this could have all been avoided. But yeah, no, I give him grief. He is like the perfect Bruce Banner, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, we now that we've had like three actors playing the role of the Hulk, we're heading into that Batman territory where you can start asking who is the best Bruce Wayne and who is the best Batman. About four, four, yeah, sorry, four, yeah. But yeah, you you can start asking those questions now, which is, I think, a nice. Well, you area can ask, in. but it's always going to be Ferrigno. Yeah, on the Hulk side, but who's the best Bruce Banner then? Bixby. Really? Yeah. For nothing more than he actually uttered the words the first time, don't make me angry, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Yeah. Yeah, but Eric Banner did it in Spanish. (laughs) (laughs) Also, oh, okay, okay, one last thing before we go into the ranking. Just the at the end of the film where he says that and then it pans up and there's a CGI tree frog on his hat. Yeah, I, I didn't understand that. Why? Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did not understand the tree frog. I, I, was, I, I was thinking, hang on, if it's that bright green, then it's definitely poisonous. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's because like, it's green and he's turning into the Hulk and that was kind of a sort of nature theme. But again, like many things in this film, it got washed away by just Nick Nolte ranting about God knows what. Actually, you've just reminded me, because I did mention uh, Immortal Hulk before, just be quickly before we got to the rankings. Uh, am I okay to say this? No. Okay. <laughs> oh, 
actually not going to say it now. Oh, you said no. I'm just taking you at your word. <laughs> when he said no, oh, I thought, oh. You, you choose this episode to do as you're told. <laughs> well, it's not my podcast. It's Andrew's. So I'm doing what I'm told. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Do your thing. All right. Okay. Uh, there were certain bits of this that kept reminding me of like the uh, of the body horror in uh, Immortal Hulk. I mean, there's the bit where he, you know, when he's fighting the dogs, and the dogs, the last dog has a is chewing on his shoulder, and his shoulder basically, which again is a mutated French poodle. No, uh, that's not la- that's not the last one. No, last no, one last was definitely the French poodle because it gets. Slammed into the car. Yeah. Oh yeah, the la- sorry, uh, the penultimate one, which is chewing on his shoulder. It's like a bulldog or something. Yeah, uh, it's, but it's not a French poodle, so I don't care about it. Yeah, but he basically his mo- his the, his shoulder expands while the rest of his body stays at exactly the same size, and basically breaks the dog's jaw. And then there was the bit at the end because it kept reminding me of you know the immortal the immortal Hulk bit about the green door. The bit where he's fighting his dad, I was getting a lot of Green Door vibes when he they go when they're underwater and there's all that gamma and green and everything like that. Well, I don't, I don't. Know I'm not saying there's it, a direct they, link. I, I'm just saying I don't, I don't know much about it, but they laugh a lot behind the Green Door. All right, shaking Stevens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's old person music. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, uh, I don't think there's a direct link, but it did give me that that particular vibe from the, those scenes and a couple of others. Anyway, it's it's time to rank this on our list of one to nine, which currently goes from Watchmen at the top to season two of Titans at the bottom. Twenty-seven. <laughs> look, I was going to say. It's number 10, isn't it? Yeah. Because <laughs> there's, there's just nothing in the film that like makes me enjoy it. Uh, I mean, uh, if, I, if I had to watch season two of Titans or this, it would be season two of the Titans all day, every day. Whereas watching this would just feel like all day, every day. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> also, also, I want to point out, as I'm going to do in these film ones, two hours, 18 minutes. What the hell kind of runtime is too? No, that's too long for Hulk. I just want to say, I I have finally realised there is a perfect way during these time during these times of pandemics and lockdowns and stuff like that. There is a perfect way to get your children to do their homework, and that is <laughs> to force them to watch this film. <laughs> They'll be willing to do anything else. Uh, yeah. Uh- and the other thing is, um, it, earlier some, we raised the question of it not being part of the MCU. It's not part of the MCU because it's not included in the Marvel uh, run on Disney+. And if anybody's going to know what's in the MCU, it's going to be the people who run the MCU. Oh, yeah, no, 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 it's not, it's not in the MCU, but I just meant it's kind of like that one uncle you have who isn't really an uncle but still gets invited to the family gatherings and probably like <laughs> when he leaves you've got a few less spoons than you had when you started oh you mean weird uncle eric 
Weird Uncle Eric, who basically licks the wallpaper. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> anyway, that's about it from us. If you want to listen to more, you can uh, find all our old episodes on this feed, including Vault of Behold, which uh, is our earlier, previously unreleased episodes. And if you subscribe to the show, you'll make sure you never miss an episode. And if you know that's not enough to tide you over, you can head over to the Geek Show Podcast Network to listen to our other podcast, the Comics Review Show 4 panel. And if you want to get in touch, our email is beholdpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at beholdpod. And if you are a fan, uh, something we'd really appreciate is if you left us a review on your podcast app of choice or just recommended us to a friend. It's, I mean, I, I just, I cannot overstate that is like essential to helping podcasts grow, especially one like ours that is relatively new and very, very small. So I think that's everything. So until next time, I've been your host, Andrew. And I've been Mick. And I've been Rob. So, so long and thanks for listening. <laughs>